What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Hello, brave souls, and welcome back to Fear. In this week's episode, we're celebrating Christmas. And with the spirit of fear, we have a couple scary Christmas stories for you. Our author, Born Beach, will bring us a story called, If you see a creature coming down your chimney, you need to read this as a matter of life and death. And if that sounds familiar, it's the same author that we had Snippity Snap not too long ago. So without further ado, let's get into... If you see a creature coming down your chimney, you need to read this as a matter of life and death. I need to talk. Like, I really need to talk. The trouble is, I don't have anybody to talk to. My family's estranged, my friends are all gone, and the authorities think I'm a lunatic. It's just five days from Christmas, and I'm alone. Isolated. If I don't get this off my chest though, I'm afraid it's going to start festering in my mind like a decaying carcass. I'm afraid it's going to sink its teeth in. So I'll talk to you. All of you. It's not perfect, but it will do. My name's Terrence Sims. I'm sitting in my rocking chair, rifle draped across my lap, in blood-stained pajamas that still reek with last night's piss. I haven't slept in two days and I might not sleep for two more. Last night something came down my chimney and I think it's coming back. I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me paint you a picture. I live alone, up in the mountains where the pine trees are draped in snow and the rivers are in icy blue. I could be a bit more specific, but I don't think it's warranted. Besides that, I like my privacy. All of this to say where I am isn't important. What matters is what I have to say. I'm a researcher, or at least, I was once upon a time. My funding has long been cut, and my job along with it, but I've always stayed out here because I believe in my research my team was undertaking. It was revolutionary. It meant the possibility of bridging worlds, of seeing new life forms. Now I'm terrified that research has found me. You've probably heard of monsters, or urban legends, of things that claw at our imaginations and lurk in the dark recesses of our minds. Perhaps you've even felt one. They wait there sometimes, prowling just beyond our vision tearing at the fabric that holds our realities together, desperate, hungry. My job was to study these beings. I was tasked with developing an understanding of not only what they wanted from us, but how to gain access to their world, the place beyond the veil. Needless to say, I wasn't successful. The organization I worked for, the facility, poured millions into my ideas and wasn't forgiving of my failures. When my theories came up short, they cut ties with me, He cut ties with me. It's unfortunate, but it's business, Mr. Reed had said, feet on his desk, long hair pulled back in a ponytail. Your failures reflect on me, Terrence, and they become an accounting nightmare. I had begged him, groveled. It didn't matter. I was terminated along with my research. When you're studying the kind of things I am, they don't want that information leaked into the world. It's what they call a liability. So I was blacklisted. Facility teams picked up my reputation, whispering in the back corners of universities and at the water coolers of laboratories. 
My name became synonymous with paranoia and madness. I was a laughingstock among my peers. A joke. It was the end of my life. Only one person cared to associate with me afterwards. A junior colleague and a brilliant young man named Alexei Azimov. He believed in the research nearly as much as I did, and luckily for him, his name wasn't attached to the project. When the facility pulled the plug and dragged my name through the dirt, they simply moved him to a new department. And that was that. Despite it, he spent his vacation days returning to the mountain, assisting me with further study whenever he could. Until last year, when he abandoned me too. But now I've shown them all. I've proven them wrong. Dead wrong. It's here. He's here. I always suspected he lived among these mountains, or at least that his bridge was located within them. But I had given up for hope for so long. It had been years after all. Damn near a decade. They called me absurd. Insane. Then last night, everything changed. I was lying in bed, winding down after logging the readings on the temporal measurement equipment, when the cabin shook. At first, I thought an avalanche had struck it, but then I heard it, a clatter of hooves upon the roof. I shot out of bed, my breath trapped in my chest and my body cold with sweat. I sprinted to the closet and pulled out my hunting rifle. Outside a blizzard howled, but all I heard was a voice, a menagerie of tone and emotion, high and low, guttural and smooth. It rang out from above me. Ho ho ho! My first thought was to contact the facility, but my satellite internet was, wasn't functioning in the storm. Even if it were, I knew better. I was too far, too isolated for help. The mountains I study in are remote, and the cabin even more so. It was chosen for seclusion as a means of observing the being known as the Slave Father, but the circumstances were meant to be different. Much different. Above me, the ceiling creaked, and dust drifted down from the rafters. Booch crunched upon the snow-caked roof. You always think you'll know what to do when the moment comes, that your training will kick in, and you'll just go through the motions like some kind of pre-programmed robot. I wish that were really true. I really do. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. I'd spent the better part of my career chasing that monster, and now that I found it, I was lost. My fingers played against the trigger of my rifle, my mouth dry, and my eyes latched open. Inside of me, my body thrummed with terror. My fight-or-flight response oscillated between cowardice and impulsive foolishness. I was paralyzed. Alone. A chorus of chattering pierced in the screaming wind. It came fast and jittery, like a ticking clock marking time in microseconds. I knew what it was before the hoofbeats followed. It was them. The creatures the Slave Father commissioned in the first days when people still feared the night and all the horrors within. Eight abominations, stitched together by the innards of mutilated children. Their agony acted as gateway, his bridge between worlds. The souls of the children lived on in the beasts, while their vacant spirits stalked the earth, lost and hopeless, seeking the missing peace that would finally grant them rest. Their tortured existence was his link to our reality. The slay the abominations drew, his bridge. The thought shook me from my trance. I'd spent years waiting for this, a chance to see the other side, to see other worlds. I had to act, so I lurched forward moving through the lonely cabin while the slave father's footsteps creaked above me. Ho, ho, ho! He lumbered toward the chimney while I shivered down the cold hallway, rifle trembling in my skinny arms. It took me only a few moments to reach the living room, and when I did, I settled there, just behind the corner of the wall. I kept my gun leveled at the fireplace, and my eyes plastered open. A crackling blaze danced in the hearth. It cast the sparse furnishings in an orange glow, throwing shadows across the love seat and the messy desks. The night became still. 
The snowstorm quieted. The hoofbeats vanished. There was no sounds of boots, no sound of laughter, only the slapping flames of my heart pounding blood through my skull. My mouth moved, and the words spilled out. Affirmations. Come on, I muttered. Slide down the chimney, you beast. The fire is waiting for you. I knew better. Of course I did. I'd spent years researching the Slave Father, consuming tireless hours of reading into his history. Of all the monsters the facility had dealt with, the terrors that haunted old email chains and the urban legends that spread through panic breaths, he was the anomaly. He was celebrated. Santa Claus, they called him. It was an error I traced back to centuries ago when a young girl witnessed her abusive father taken by the Slave Father. The creature devoured him and left the man's skull as a parting gift, having taken what he came for, a human soul. To the girl, the beast was a savior, a saint. The words she spoke in the following weeks, months, and years became immortalized. They became history, and then they became legend. A jolly being, laughing and hungry, coming down the chimney and leaving gifts in its wake. It was as tantalizing a tale as they come, especially to young children, eager to be appeased to their search for comfort and joy. Now he is here with me, looking for another soul to add to his collection. Seconds stretched into minutes as I waited, tucked quietly behind the corner of the wall, rifle in my arms, elbows steadied upon my knee. Once we had contingencies for this, plans in place to provide the means to incapacitate the slave father should he pay us a visit, but those plans involved government agents no longer my employ. They involved expensive technology and complex spells. They were a last resort. A clump of snow fell down the chimney, and a fire responded with a hiss of steam. Its flame retreated for a moment, flickering, before lashing back in anger. Something heavy shuffled above, the Slave Father. Emotions swam inside of me. Regret, anger, fear. Why had I stayed out here? How could I have been so stubborn, so goddamn arrogant? The answer was obvious. My old boss, Donovan Reed, his mockery, his wanton destruction of my life. It left me with no other option. Either I remain on this mountain, burning through my life savings and hunting wayward game, or I returned home. One meant a chance of redemption, the other guaranteed humiliation and disgrace. I hated Mr. Reed more than words could say. Alexei had seen it. He'd seen how much my loathing distracted me, and so he recommended methods to help get the snake off my mind. A list, he'd said in the email last month. Write a list of all the ways you want to hurt him. Write a list of all the horrible things you want to happen to him. I think it could help you get it off your head and free up your attention. It helped. A little. Ho ho ho! The laugh came high and low, husky and slick. A crunch followed it, like something digging into brick, and panic found its way into my house. Dust and debris fell into the flames. The Slave Father's legend was explicit in the form of entry. If possible, it was always the chimney. A grunt came down the flue, followed by more pebbles and stones. Then, the cabin shook. It was as if something heavy had just jumped down from the roof. What comes up must come down. A pulverizing cacophony filled the night with cannon fire. Rubble tumbled in the blazing hearth while the bricks of the chimney bulged outwards, crumbling as something massive shot down it. I barely brought my rifle on aim before our figure crashed into the flames. Burning logs thundered with a thunderous crack, plunging the cabin into inky darkness. Wooden splinters ricocheted around the room like a blazing shrapnel, their slivers slashing my face and tracing my skin in searing agony. I spun back behind the protection of my hallway wall, rifle clutched to my chest. My thoughts raced. This couldn't be happening, I said to myself. It couldn't. I slammed my eyes shut, trying to get my out-of-control breathing back in line. I was hyperventilating, panicking. I had to calm down because if I didn't, 
I would start making impulsive decisions, and impulsive decisions were a good way to die. I opened my eyes. The fire was gone. I could barely see a thing. A short distance away, boots groaned against hard wood, kicking past broken legs in the hearth. My fingers quivered against the cold steel of the rifle's trigger, and I desperately wanted to pull it. But I knew if I did that, then it was over. Either the slave father would die, or I would. The odds, I decided, were not in my favor. So I waited. A piece of me, infinitesimally small, wanted to see him. Wanted to flick on a light of blinding fire into the darkness. I wanted to witness the monster that possessed my life for so long. And only for a second. But I didn't. It's not worth it, I told myself. It's not worth it. The footsteps stalked to the window, dragging something heavy behind it. Against the faint light of the moon, I made up the slave father's silhouette. He was tall, inhumanly so. His neck craned forward, pressed against the top of the high cabin ceiling. A cloak was draped across his broad shoulders, and from his head slumped the palm of a stocking cap. Besides him, a large sack. Naughty or nice? His voice hummed in discordant melody. I didn't reply. It seemed impossible, but a part of me held on to the belief that maybe he wasn't speaking to me. Maybe he didn't know I was there. It was just a monologue, perhaps. Words for the night. I raised the rifle, aiming it towards his massive figure. I could do it now, I reasoned. I could pull the trigger and hopefully make this nightmare disappear. Ho ho ho! The silhouette turned, its face masked in shadows, save for a single glint of bobbing light. Careful with that, it said. A cold breeze swept across me, and suddenly my fingers burned with agonizing frostbite. My rifle clattered to the floor while my hands trembled in pain. You'll take your eye out. What do you want? I stuttered, stumbling backward. My feet croaked in the floorboards as I came up against the back of the hallway. My heart hammered. Tears filled my visions as I cradled my cold hands against my stomach. Please, I whimpered. Naughty? He sang. Or nice? Nice, I said. I I'm a good man. I just wanted to learn about you. The words stumbled out of my mouth like lemmings falling to their death. I didn't mean any harm, I swear. The footsteps creaked closer, and as they did, the silhouette vanished in the window's moonlight. All that remained of it now was sound it made. I listened intently to the burdensome echoes of boots on hardwood and the heavy scratching of coarse fabric being dragged across the floor. Ho ho ho! He was close, so close. I slammed my eyes shut, waiting for the inevitable, waiting to die. Warm piss spilled down my leg, and my face screwed up as I fell to my knees, bawling on the floor. Please, I begged. I'm a good man, I told you, please! The rumble of footfalls stopped, and in their place came the sound of ruffling fabric, like somebody opening a sack. Nice, you say? A dim light formed, raiding it out of a burlap bag some five feet away. Behind its glow, I could make out a white, singed beard hanging off a red suit. The slave father's face was otherwise indiscernible amidst the suffocating shadow, save for one dancing speck of light. Would you like a gift, he said. My mind raced. Was there anything in the mythology that warned against accepting gifts? I couldn't recall. Yes, I hazarded in a small voice. Yes, please. It seemed unwise to refuse the creature. Ho, ho, ho! A massive red jacketed arm reached into the burlap sack. My eyes widened in horror as I realized the sack was moving, kicking, like there was something alive inside of it. Muffled screams followed, and the great arm pulled back, clutching a man by his long blonde hair. 
The man thrashed and whimpered. Tears soaked his pale face. Our eyes connected, mine and the man's, and something ran through me. It was a feeling I had never experienced before. A mixture of dark excitement and absolute loathing. You, I said slowly. The light from the sack was dim, but to the man, it was all he had known. It took a moment for his eyes to adjust to the heavy darkness of the cabin, and as they did, he peered toward me. Eyelids pinched together to discern the voice speaking to him. Who's there, he whimpered. I gazed forward in stunned silence. Was this real? There was no way. He dangled in the sleigh father's grasp like the finest Christmas present I've ever seen. Hello? His voice called. Please, I have resources. More than you can imagine. I'm a powerful man in government. Just get me the hell out of here, and I'll give you whatever you want. His voice turned weak, broken. Please, please get me out of here. I have a family. I opened my mouth, but if words were there, I didn't speak them. No, it seemed wasteful. At this moment, to reply so thoughtlessly, this moment necessitated careful words and measured tone. It required my best. Naughty? The slave father hummed. So, so naughty. I found myself nodding along. Yes, the man was naughty. The worst. He was an abomination, fit for disposal. He doubted me, made a mockery of me, and torn apart my life so carefully built. Donovan, I said, doing my best to keep my voice level. Donovan Reed, isn't it? The light was faint. So faint, in spite of it though, I could hear Mr. Reed had finally realized who I was. Whether because his eyes had adjusted or recognized my voice. Perhaps a combination of the two. His expression fell. That voice. You used to work for me. He choked out. Didn't you? I gazed at him. Something horrible growing inside of me. It ate up all my fear. My regret. My rage. And it left only hunger in the wake. A desperate desire for retribution. I did. Part 2 A pause. He sensed it there, in my reply. He sensed the disdain, the hatred. I'm so sorry, he said at length. You were right. You were right about everything. That's true, I said. And you were wrong. Yes, I was. He winced in agony as the slave father lifted him higher by his tangled hair, then gently nudged him with a giant, clawed hand. Mr. Reed swung like a pendulum. You were right, he continued weeping. He's real. A fucking course he is. Are you... Am I what? I interjected, my hands still burning with frostbite. became an afterthought in my mind. The warm piss in my pants hardly registered to me. I was beginning to build the puzzle. I was beginning to understand what this was. Are you asking me if I'm going to help you? Silence. Of course I'll help you, I said. I'm not a monster. Why would I ruin your life? All because you made a simple mistake? In the quiet of the cabin, Mr. Reed's shuddering tears struck the floorboards like gunshots. Thank you so much. He hardly sounded like the man I knew. If he wasn't swinging in front of me, with this obnoxious long hair and his fitted suit, I'd almost have doubted my own ears. He sounded weak, cowardly. I'll ask the slave father to lease you, if you can do one thing for me. Ho ho ho! What is it? Anything. Your research is back on the table. Of course it is. You're brilliant. Look at you. You saw this before any of us. You knew it was out there and... What's my name? I'm sorry? His words, once thundering along like a roller coaster, crumbled in a heap. Look, I'm not in a position to remember every fucking employee's name. That was years ago. You need to be reasonable. I took a step forward, 
and the floorboards creaked. I understood what the situation was now. It was written in the subtext of the legend. The unspoken and unwritten words that undercut everything about the slave father. A singular concept. One still celebrated to this day. Holiday cheer. I reached out a hand, gripping Mr. Reed by his silky black tie. His swinging stopped, and I pulled at the accessory, making him choke and gag. Are you fucking crazy? His face had lost the fear, the concern, the false remorse, and its place was something much more familiar. Malice. I let him go, and he gasped as his breath returned to him. My eyes shifted to the being behind him, the instrument of destruction. The slave father remained still, clouded by darkness, with only his massive arm and singed white beard illuminating the dim light spilling from his bag. Naughty or nice, the monster repeated, in that discordant voice masquerading his song. Naughty or nice, the monster repeated, in that discordant voice masquerading his song. My eyes connected with Mr. Reed's, and an irresistible smile crept across my lips. To see him there, helplessly hanging by his hair and enslaved to my whims, filled something inside of me I didn't realize I was missing. It filled a need for power, a need to be respected. Naughty, I said, surprising myself with a tone of authority. Donovan Reed is a terrible man. Ho ho ho! No! Mr. Reed screamed. Even as the great red arm lifted him up to the rafters of the ceiling, his face screwed up in agony as the slave father gripped his legs with one other hand. Please! He shrieked, horizontally in the air. Please! I'm sorry! I'm so- His words were interrupted by the wet splatter of his intestines striking the cabin floor. It was hard to see in the darkness, but it's easy to hear. I listened as the slave father pulled Donovan and Reed apart, one end from the other, his innards slapping against the ground like spoiled fruit. Why? Mr. Reed's last words died on his lips as the slave father slammed both pieces of him against the cabin floor, drenching me in the explosion of blood and bone. When it was finished, I sat in warm, wet silence. Donovan Reed's blood dripped from my mess of hair and soaked through my thermal pajamas. Something akin to a near-death experience flashed before my eyes, except it was aspects of my life and my research. I always believed the slave father had been little more than a simple reaper, a monster hunger for souls or other forms of mortal sustenance, piercing the veil once a year when its hunger grew too insatiable to ignore. I had been wrong. Much of the Santa Claus mythology fitted the slave father, more than I or Alexi ever expected. He didn't just feed on souls, he fed on people's joy, their mirth. It appears as though he required both pieces to be fully satiated, and such a phenomenon provided much more context to the original myth. That girl centuries ago had been joyous when the slave father devoured her father, hadn't she? And now I had been joyous when he gifted me with my revenge. I'd felt ecstatic watching Mr. Reed die. Ho ho ho! The cabin began to tremble and soon the very floorboards snapped and the windows rattled. It felt like I was being torn from its foundation. I steadied myself against the wall as a blinding light exploded from Donovan Reed's skull before quelling to a gentle gleam. It snaked around the cabin, revealing the full extent of the building's disarray. Tables had been upturned, documents littered the floor, and the fireplace had been little more than a pile of bricks and a frigid breeze. Shafts of moonlight pierced through the hole in the ceiling, the chimney once occupied, revealing Mr. Reed's blood and bones scattered all over. The cabin was soaked in his blood. Then the floating light passed across the slave father. It revealed a behemoth, 
clad in crimson cotton with white trim. Two legs burst from the long red jacket, coated in coarse black fur that ended in leather boots. As the light swam upwards, I caught sight of the creature's arms scratching at its barrel chest. Its fingers were thick, human, but decaying. What I had early mistaken for claws were actually long, curled fingernails. Thank you, I breathed, my heart thuttering. Thank you for this. Tis the season, it sang with a laugh. The orb of light ascended toward its mouth, and for the first time, I saw the monster's face. It was human, but mangled. Above its white shock of beard were two pieces of coal, seared into its eye sockets. The skin of its face was discolored, a pockmarked mess of swollen, blistered flesh that sagged around its skull. His nose was little more than two slits, with the faintest impression of bone jutting from beneath. Burns, I realized. His face had been burned beyond recognition. As the tiny orb of light finished its accent, it revealed the slave father's red stock and cap. At the end of the white palm, and it blinked. It was looking at me. An eyeball twinkled where the palm should have been, glimmering like a star in the night. It seemed clear to me the creature meant to me no harm, and so the researcher inside of me took over. Can I ask you, I began, before being cut off by a roaring sound of wind. The slave father had opened its mouth, and when within its jaws, a blizzard roared, frigid and horrible. My hands, anguished with frostbite, became numb and unresponsive. My ears screamed and my nose throbbed. My entire body ached with a stabbing sensation of absolute winter. Then the light orb vanished, sucked up inside the slave father's mouth, and so did the cold. I heard that sounded like a gulp and a swallow and then another discordant, tuneless round of HO HO HO! Darkness returned. The slave father turned. His twinkling eye vanished as he did, and before walking away from me, his lumbering footfalls crunched along the cabin floor, snapping pieces of Mr. Reed's bones as he made his way to the demolished chimney. Merry Christmas to all! The slave father sang. I heaved a breath. Warmth returned to my extremities. I couldn't help but smile. For the first time in decades, I felt full of Christmas cheer. So much so, I even finished the rhyme form. And to all a good night! His boots stopped, and the floor groaned as he turned back to me. The bouncing eyes gleamed in the night. Merry Christmas to all! He repeated, though his voice had lost its whimsy. I'll see you in two nights! My jaw fell open, the smile dying on my lips. No, that wasn't right. Why would he come back? I already had what I wanted. Mr. Reed was dead. The slave father turned around toward the chimney, chuckling to himself. Hang on, I spat, my voice crackling. You don't have to come back. It's fine. Seeing you was enough. I just needed to know I wasn't crazy. That was right. Naughty, he hummed. All right. I blinked, not understanding the, that wasn't the rhyme. Nice, I said. Not naughty. I'm nice. A good person, abused and taken advantage of. Just like the girl you saved, remember? Ho, ho, ho! His laughter echoed around the ruined cabin. Naughty and right, I'll see you in two nights. He stepped in the remains of the ruined chimney, and the shaft of moonlight framed through the broken ceiling. His beard returned with a smile, and then he bent his great legs and leapt upward with a grunt. A moment later, the ceiling trembled, and pieces of rafter crashed down around me. Above, I heard the slave father's chorus of Ho, ho, ho! And his heavy boots crunched on snow. Then came the whips of rain and rapid chatter of eight abominations preparing to take flight. Their hooves pounded against the roof in anticipation, 
Two more whip cracks and the cabin rafters whined as the sleigh began to move, slowly at first, before the monsters broke into a rumbling gallop. Through the shattered ceiling, I caught sight of the godless creature taking flight. There were monsters in the truest sense of the word. Pieces of children chopped up and reassembled in a beast of burden. Some had six legs and one arm, others had three heads and four feet upon two legs. At the last remnants of the sleigh father's laughter faded in the distance. I idly wondered if he was purposely designed the beast to be more hideous than himself. I chewed on the thought as I stumbled toward the kitchen, grabbing a flashlight from the drawer and flicking it on as I went. I used it to locate a blanket and a laptop, and then took a seat in the old rocking chair. With the blizzard gone, the night was uncharacteristically warm. Whether or not that was a consequence of the slave father's visit, I couldn't say. But I was thankful for it, and made thinking easier. I flipped the computer open, and my face bathed in blue glow. I noted the satellite connection was back online. Good. My fingers rocketed across the keyboard, sending out multiple emails to my contacts at the facility. I've done it, I told them. I've proven the existence of the slave father. Not only that, I added, but he told me he's returning in two days' time. We can acquire his sleigh, his bridge. I hit send, exhaling a sigh of relief. I truly had done it. I've redeemed my name. I'd resurrected my reputation and executed the monster that murdered it in the first place. It had been a busy night, an important night. I fully believed the slave father would return for me, but with the facility's resources, I suspected we could handle him. Their warlocks could do wonderful things with spells. My computer pinged with my first email alert, a reply from the facility's hiring manager. I figured, why wait? I had a job to return to. The sooner I got paid for my work again, the better. Good evening, Dr. Sims, it read. Your work for this facility has been greatly appreciated. Unfortunately, we have located another talent that has proven more reliable. Your contract will not be reinstated. I stared at the screen in confusion. What? Had they even read my email? I just told them I located the damn slave father. I just explained how I found the bridge between worlds. Cursing, I began typing my response. Two more email alerts pinged in the corner of my screen, distracting me. No matter, I thought to myself. The hiring manager could wait. I clicked on the first new email. It was from an old colleague of mine, Anna Ling, a foreign team member of the slave father research project, and one with high-level security access. I am so sorry, it read. Take care, Terry. Sorry? Did you think I was insane? I clenched my fist, my frustration mounting as the thick-headedness of these idiots. I was sitting on possibly the most significant discovery in the history of mankind, and they were brushing me off like a common madman. Bitterly, I clicked on the third email. It was from the Director of Research and Development, Mr. Reed's boss. Good to hear from you, Terrence. First off, I'd like to say we're recommending you for the Medal of Merit. Your work has been incredible, and dare I say, worthy of certain additional awards down the line. Can you say Nobel Prize? I paused, a smile formed my lips. This is more like it. I always found the director of R&D to be a shrewd and clever woman. It was little wonder she saw the potential of an opportunity as soon as I presented it. I continued reading. Of course, public awards are off the table until the bridge has been put to proper use. We'll have to deal with upcoming conflicts first before spilling the beans with this new technology. But trust me, once we can, your name is going to be in the hat. I'll be personally recommending you. I imagine you'll probably be a little upset. It's a terrifying prospect. What's to come, but... I blinked, shaking my head in confusion. Terrifying? That's an odd way to describe a Nobel Prize. No matter, I continued reading. Unfortunately, it was the only option we saw available. 
Dr. Asimov has been a huge help in getting all this set up, and we're genuinely thankful for the cooperation of the matter. What's losing another 30 years of life when you're mortalized in history, eh? Dr. Asimov? Alexei Asimov? What the hell? That couldn't be right. Alexei abandoned the project a year ago. Sure, he occasionally kept up with me via email, more for my sanity than anything, but he had nothing to do with this. His mental exercise of list listing my intrusive thoughts helped clear my head some, but that didn't warrant accolades. I did this. Me. Furious, I clicked reply. Before I could finish the first word of my response, my computer pinged with another email. It was the last contact I'd messaged. Alexi. Terrence. I hope you're well. In fact, I suspect you're feeling quite good, if not a little confused. I know how much the Slave Father project meant to you. To be frank, your obsession with it concerned me. It isn't healthy. It's damaging. Before I go any further, I'd like to assure you that the facility will be arriving at the mountain later this evening. They'll be monitoring you from a safe distance, and when the Slave Father returns in two nights' time, they'll attempt to apprehend the bridge. I let loose a sigh of relief. Good. I knew I can count on Alexi, even if he was trying to steal some credit for this. I cracked a smile and kept reading. It was probably a misunderstanding. Earlier this year, I discovered some lore. I thought I might help both of us. You and I, you see, old friend. I have come to realize that Slave Father shares more in common with the Santa Claus myth than either of us recognized. All these weeks, months, and years of studying failed, and failed attempts to locate the monster were rooted in singular problems. We were too focused on science. The Slave Father is a being that transcends science. Of course, an anomaly, a myth. So was that mythology I returned. Within it, I found the means to quell some of your suffering and offer you an opportunity to have a Merry Christmas before you pass from this world. My fingers ached. I realized I was clutching the sides of my laptop hard enough that the plastic shell was beginning to crack. I reread Alexi's words. Before I pass from this world? What kind of phrasing is that? Trust me, Terrence. It would be better for you this way. Easier. I know you're probably wondering what I'm talking about, so let me provide you with some background details. I discovered that lists have the power to summon the Slave Father. They act as a sort of ritual or an offering to it. When one creates a list, the creature will sometimes dine them with their request, providing they want it desperately enough. It is an emotional energy that calls to the Slave Father. It feeds upon our joy and our sorrow, our wishes and fears. Your list to Donovan Reed was drenched in emotion. I suspected that if my theory was correct, given your relative proximity to the Slave Father's bridge and your hatred for Mr. Reed, you could provoke an encounter with that being. I'm happy to hear I was correct in this regard. My eyes scanned his words, my teeth dug into my lip. That son of a bitch. That absolute piece of shit. I made to get up and grab a new piece of paper, one I could use to write Alexi's name on it. I'd listed a thousand times, with a thousand different ways I wanted them dead. But the email wasn't finished. Of course, there's more to the Santa Claus mythology than simple lists. There are consequences. One such consequence is when somebody requests something selfish or sufficiently deplorable. It is the naughty or nice paradigm, and we see it reflected heavily in the mythology. It's what I was counting on tonight. You desire for Mr. Reed's death was selfish and frankly monstrous. You'll excuse my dry sense of humor, but it really was a naughty sort of thing. I'm genuinely sad to know Mr. Reed passed with such brutality but I'm happy to know it will pave the way to ending the coming war and saving billions of lives. When the Slave Father returns to claim your deplorable soul, please know it was never something I wanted. If you could have lived, I would have preferred that. Same to Mr. Reed. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. 
and sacrifices must be made. The eldritch horrors are knocking on the front door. Terrence, you know that. You know I have no choice. Just know that you and Mr. Reed will be remembered for what you gave. Carpe diem, old friend. P.S. If it is possible, please draw the slave father as far from his bridge as you can. Our team will have an easier time retrieving the sleigh that way. Happy holidays, Alexi. I closed the laptop. I didn't even bother writing a reply. What was there left to say? Fuck you, asshole? No, it wasn't worth the energy. I doubted that he'd even care to read it. He already got everything he wanted, after all. He had me right where he wanted me, and now we could get all the credit. That son of a bitch. I stewed in my rage for a long time. Long enough for the birds chirping overhead and the golden light of dawn seeping in through the cabin window. Eventually, I decided what would happen next. You would. All of you. See, the slave father might be coming for me tonight, and it might be true that I don't have a way out of here. The facility is too powerful, too all-reaching, but not even they can stop the wildfire of public outrage. So here it is, my testament, the true account of the final days of my life, and the research that led to it. I'm not asking to be deified. I'm not even asking for a street in my name. I just want people to know the real story about what happened out here, on this snowy mountain. You'll forgive me for not trusting the facility to represent my contributions to this project properly. They've already spoiled my name once. Who's to say they won't be dragging it through the dirt after I'm dead? Words are cheap, and I know better than to trust my emails from suits. So I'm begging you to spread this far and wide. Tell my story the way it truly happened, warts and all. I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not a madman either. The slave father came to me. I witnessed him. Not Alexi. Me. Tonight when their creature returns, I won't even run from my death. I'll leave the bastard away, just like that snake Alexi asked. I'll be my final contribution to my life's research. A contribution I hope might lead to a better world someday. If they manage to steal a sleigh, then it'll be a colossal boon in the war to come. If they don't, well, just be careful what you wish for Christmas. Some gifts aren't worth the price. Ho ho ho! I hope you enjoyed the story. If you'd like to contribute some of your stories of your own, you can send them to podcastfear at gmail.com. That's podcastfear at gmail.com, and I'll go ahead and I'll showcase that story in one of the upcoming episodes. Also, don't forget to share the podcast to everybody you know. Uh, I'm sure your grandma would love it. And I really want to wish everybody a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. So, until next time, always remember to face your fears.